Welcome back to Killer Fun Podcast. I'm Christy. I'm Jackie. We explore the intersection of crime and entertainment. That's what we do here every other week. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Yes, we're so yep. glad you're back with us today because yes. we got cool stuff on the docket. Oh, yes, we do. It is, it's a good day. We told you coffee was going to be on the bench, but let's be honest, it's not yet noon. It's never on the this. bench. Let's, well, be, let's be clear. But yes, it's never really on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> sip, sip. So, Excuse yes, uh, as here we are. So, um, but we do have, it's five o'clock somewhere. That's right. Uh, beverages for a little bit later that we'll share that with you in a little bit. Um, but I have a few things I want to talk about. So have you heard, you may not because you're pretty busy. Have you heard, uh, I'll be gone in the dark. No, this is a new book and it's about the golden state killer. And it was being researched and written by Michelle McNamara. Oh. Yeah, she's Patton Oswald's wife. That's very interesting. Uh-huh. And evidently she was a very, very dear woman, entirely brilliant and just obsessed with this case. And she was very near completing this book when she passed away in her sleep. Oh, that's so tragic. Uh-huh. It's absolutely tragic and heartbreaking. But so who finished it? Um, friends of hers. I'll look that up. There's a lot of information. (laughs) Okay. So um, she was very near completing it. And uh, Patton and a couple of friends of hers did the final final touches on it. The book just very recently came out. It evidently has been optioned by HBO Documentary Films to be a series. Oh. So So cool. I'm super looking forward to to this and finding out more about it. I definitely will want to read the book at some point. It's not it's not on my current list of things that I need to be doing, but it's definitely something that I want to read before they do that. But I thought that was super cool. That is super fun. You know, yeah. it's weird that we love this so much because it's so morbid. Oh, it's so but there's just something satisfying about going and seeing these killers from that perspective. That, that, ooh, dare well, I say it, humanizes them and it provides some kind of a model for how we look at our emotions and look at our circumstances and we start to analyze those. Yes. Yes. Because I don't think I could become a killer. I don't think I but, could. But who, who knows what circumstances in my life would have to occur to get me there. And so then we have these killers that go and they have this innately well, in and them. And this is as yet unsolved. Right. You know, we don't I, we don't know who the Golden State Killer no, is. We have a profile. Yeah. It's maybe interesting. Maybe. Maybe because, because even they're not even sure exactly who all has been murdered by this particular serial killer that he's that they're not entirely sure exactly who their quote unquote body of work is. Yeah. So that's Whoa. super interesting, and maybe when it comes out, something you and I will have to like to oh. check out and and talk about some. I think so because wicked cool and so weird. Okay, 
<laughs> and I can't believe I think this is cool, but I do because it's it's so just speaks to you. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so if you haven't already guessed, we're talking about wine today. Yay! Yay! We have a lovely bottle of 19 Crimes Hard Shard. It's a Chardonnay. And uh, you're not going to hear us, I don't think, talk about the notes, notes. of... <laughs> We're going to say, hey, this is good. And hey, it kind of tastes like good wine that's good. (laughs) Or bad. Or bad. I don't think it's going to be bad. I could probably denote sweet versus savory. Savory. Yeah. We could say what kind of food we might enjoy it with. But we probably could do that. We could probably do that. Well, we're going to talk about that in a little while because there's a super cool app. That goes with it, that does augmented reality, where the wine bottle label <gasps> will like, oh, you're going to like this. It's good stuff. I'm so, so excited. Since we have wine, I thought, wine and crime. Let's find out what kinds of crimes have been committed around wine. Ooh, so there's there's some good ones to choose from, so I can't wait to see what ooh. you've you've chosen. And I'm I'm pretty sure you've chosen something I have no clue about. Well, so I'm so excited. Maybe, maybe not. Okay, so you're a fan of Phantom and the Opera Opera and Les Mis. Yes. Oh definitely. Yes. Okay. So are you familiar with the catacombs of Paris. Yes. Okay. You at least like know that they exist. And right. They are. So for any of you who don't know, under Paris, they excavated uh, limestone to build Notre Dame and other notable buildings. And that created catacombs underneath the streets of Paris. Right. So there's about 150. 50 miles of catacombs under there. Now, when in the late 18th century, uh, Louis XVI uh, started having some work done to these because the streets of Paris were literally going to fall in. Yeah, they were falling in. Sinkholes. Yes. And this was, you know, not such a great thing for a city that is only growing in population. So he had it looked at and they filled a lot of it in. Mm-hmm. And then he required some other parts of it to become ossuaries, which are basically crypts. Right. And there they were having a big problem with <laughs> burying people. I don't know if it was in a timely manner or if they didn't have very good burial techniques, but evidently it didn't smell very good in Paris. Oh, oh well, yeah. when you run out of space. Uh-huh. You, you know. People keep dying. And people keep They're dying. Like, oh, I guess I have to, I can't die from this 18th century disease. Right. Because there's nowhere to bury me. Nope, that's not going to happen. Right. And cremation, cremation is not easy. So that's not something no. totally achievable in these days. No. And it's also a challenging uh, religious thing to do. It is. It was a very religious area and a very religious time mm-hmm. period. And they needed to have a bones resting someplace. Right. Okay. Full body burial, yeah. which is interesting because, you know, Nola 
New Orleans, uh-huh. they had to solve that problem with a similar issue they had um, with the space, but also because they're built on sand, nothing would like stay buried. Yes. Um, so there were several issues there, um, but they have natural cremation by a means of their crypts. They put Ooh. the body in the crypt uh-huh. and they come back 101 days later. Oh. And then they come back at the year. So, and a year in one day. And then at the year in one day, when they open the crypt, there's nothing but ashes. Really? Cremation by the sun. It's hella hot there. Wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> As I'm touring the cemetery, I was like, it's happening to me now. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm being cremated. And I'm being cremated now. <laughs> I can, I'm melting, you know? And so I'm standing there, but they can open those crypts and it, it just powderizes the entire wow. body, including the bone. So including they, the bone. Including the bone. So they wow. come in and that's why families have one little crypt because they go in oh. a year and a day later. And they shove it all back, uh huh, and, and then let the ashes ball, fall, fall into a little, you know, thing, uh-huh, like an urn type thing, ready and, for the next oh, body. Oh, wow! And that's why the walls around the cemetery are the way they are because you can fit a whole family of people in there wow. as long as they don't die at the same time. Yeah, as long as everybody's not dying at once, you're you're yeah. good. Otherwise, you got to borrow and all kinds <laughs> of weird things. Um, <laughs> borrow a spot in your crypt right for a year for a year because after that we'll just scrape them out the other way way, and then put uh them in where they belong yeah Yeah. so they can right but paris paris is not that hot so i don't think they have the uh option here so no well the catacombs they still had their bones of their dead so the flesh had rotted away but they're the bones and instead of you know just putting the bones under there there's some pretty spectacular pictures of artwork that they basically oh, made from their bones so because like, that's not sacrilegious <laughs> exactly but you know what they did what they did and now we get to look at these very interesting uh bone artwork bone artwork there's like pillars with made of uh, femurs and skulls and I mean it's it's bizarre it's fantastic <laughs> but it's pretty weird I'm just gonna say okay so that brings us to oh and then there's all of the stuff that happens there's about a mile of catacomb that is open to the public where they do tours and it's lit and people can walk through and that is in an effort to it's tourism it's and it's also in money. An, yeah. yes and it's also an effort to keep people out of the rest of the catacombs so that they would leave the ossuaries alone um that not makes sense. not disturb the dead and not get lost in 150 miles so they're thinking if we can offer a tour people will be more apt to just do the tour because it's easier yes and then that way they don't go adventuring into the rest of the catacombs but how cool would that be yes well and in june of 2017 two teenage boys did get lost in the tunnels oh they were down there for three days (gasps) in the pitch black dark and they found them with dogs by tracking them with dogs and the poor, these two poor, two poor boys, 16 and 17 years old, had hypothermia in June because it was so cold in the catacombs. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Now, so, that's crazy. That's crazy. And then um, in 2004, another weird thing, I think it's a like 
a thing that people try and do to get in, to get in there because it's cool and very you know subversive and whatever. Right. In two thousand and four, <laughs> police found a whole underground cinema in the catacombs. Twenty seats. They were carved right into the limestone. There Whoa. was a whole like bar, lounge, workshop, dining corner. All of this under there, and there it was being guarded by the recorded sounds of growling and barking dogs. That's amazing. Yes. And then I guess there was an underground group called uh, UX Urban Experiences, and they claimed it, that they claimed that they had done it, and that they had a film festival. Oh my god! Under there, yeah, for their members. That's so cool. I know. I'm like, I know it's illegal, and we don't promote the illegal stuff. That's right. But you're right. If somebody said, "Hey, it's highly illegal, but would you like to go see a movie in the catacombs of Paris?" I would probably say yes. I think I would too. (laughs) Yes. 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 I probably would. So, how does all of that intersect with wine? And criminal behavior. I'm so interested. (laughs) Well, there was a wine heist that happened somewhere between the middle of July 2017 and the middle of August 2017. Okay. These people, evidently in a luxury apartment, don't quite know when their wine cellar was broken into. But their wine cellar backs up to the catacombs. Oh, so wow. That's cool. Yes. I mean, it's not cool that their wine was stolen. I get that. But it's interesting. (laughs) Yes. I need a new vocabulary. (laughs) Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah. I know what you mean. So they went Well, it was probably literally cold. Yeah. Because, you know, the kids with the hypothermia, it was probably literally cold. I was about to say, when you talked about the hypothermia, I thought, oh my goodness, that's why the wine cellar, I mean, you know, dark, yes. cool place, yes. but that's, like, that's better than my wine fridge. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> well, probably. And it doesn't require any electricity. Right. So only, only a fancy loft in Paris. Yes. Way so, more economical. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Wine refrigerator in your kitchen? Yeah. Five million dollar loft in Paris. I mean, it's clear. Yeah, obviously. The better answer. I mean, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So they evidently drilled in. It seems like they might, well, obviously they had done some reconnaissance beforehand, but it seems like they might have been not quite sure where they wanted to go because there were two other wine cellars that were drilled into that had nothing missing. Oh, so this was specific. It, it, they were specifically after this particular wine cellar, $300,000 worth of wine was stolen. Wow. Each bottle was $750 to $1,500. Excellent wine. I mean, is this the wine that Jesus made? <laughs> Don't I just... <laughs> That's, I mean, that's about the only Who didn't one. save a bottle from that? That's what I want to know. Who didn't go, holy crap. Uh-huh. I gotta, I gotta save a bottle they from this. They were all this. too drunk. They were all too drunk. Do not be drunk. You miss out on fantastic <laughs> opportunities. Exactly. Enjoy your wine, but stay clear. Uh-huh. Because then you miss opportunities to bottle the wine of Jesus. 
That would have been awesome. Yes. Maybe that's the real Holy Grail. There's a, there's a Holy Grail out there, and it's not the cup that he drank from. It's, it's the cup that has you know, the, the wine, wine from it. the first miracle. Oh, <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps, but I thought that was... That's so interesting. I'm like, that's a lot of expensive wine to be taken. I've never, ever had a glass of wine from a bottle that cost $750. Unless oh. the bottle was, you know, a cask. I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, it was not so much a bottle as it was, it a, was a barrel of it. <laughs> and that cost $750 that's because right. you can get 800 bottles of wine from it. Or Which I don't is even the know. thing now. Have oh, you gone really? to these places no. and they have wine on tap? Ooh. So wine on tap is the new thing. And that's uh-huh. a really fancy way of saying box wine, uh-huh. right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which, it's just not in your refrigerator at home. You're paying $9 glass for right. it. Right. But yeah. you know, box wine used to be kind of snubbed and then uh-huh. Boda Box came out and now yeah. it's cool. But yeah, you get wine on tap Whatever. and that's what they're doing. They're I actually trying to be economical wine. by saving the glass and yeah. doing you know, reusable systems, which is great. But what that means is it's a keg of wine. <laughs> yes. That says something about our drinking habits. These yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps. Well, it always seems like we drink less wine because they used to just drink wine because it was safer than water. That's true. You know, that's I, true. I always... I like that point. Yeah. I think that's going to be my new excuse. Oh, <laughs> it's safer than water. It's safer than water. <laughs> All right. And then the last intersection that I'm going to talk about of wine and crime is, I think, the poorly named Robin Hood of Goldman Sachs. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Do tell. So there was a personal assistant uh, by the name of Nick Meyer who his employer was the president of Goldman Sachs, David Solomon. So he was spending his time helping this president of a very powerful and rich organization manage his daily life and decided, oh, I really would like a piece of this. I would like to be a part of this. And instead of saying, hey, boss, do you think you could hook me up with a job where I could figure out how to make a lot of money? He said, no, no, no. His boss, Mr. Solomon, asked him to transport some expensive wine from an apartment in Manhattan to a house in Long Island. And he said, absolutely. I'll be happy to take care of that for you, sir. I'll be happy to take care of that. And, oh, take care of it, he did. Because he got in a car and drove to North Carolina and sold it to a wine dealer. And then... To a wine dealer? To a wine dealer under pseudonym of Mark Miller, who was a person who was somehow big in the wine community who died in 2008. And I guess... That whoever he sold this to didn't know he was didn't, dead. Didn't know he was dead, and hadn't met him bef- prior to his death, so he didn't know what he looked like. He just went and said, "Hey, I'm Mark Miller, and I have all this wine to sell you, and I have this great name. I guess that it hadn't made it around the communities in a decade, but whatever. Uh, okay, whatever. So bad plan. Yeah, a bad plan. So he." sold these bottles of wine, evidently for quite a lot of money, because then he became a fugitive and traveled to Brazil, Argentina, Italy, Morocco, and Switzerland before he was captured. Wow. So, you know, the P, he grew up in Ohio, and 
they interviewed somebody and this person gives them this quote, I'm not going to read it exactly, but basically, hey, he was this poor kid who grew up in a farming community and good for him for sticking it to the man. And <laughs> I'm like, but he's not Robin Hood because he didn't take that money and give it to the poor. No, he, he didn't even he, succeed at it. No, he, <laughs> he didn't succeed. He got caught. He didn't give the money to the poor. He went on the lamb. And here's how he, we really know that he wasn't a Robin Hood because he used false identities to make himself sound like he had a lot more wealth than he did. His name was uh, Nick Meyer, and his false identities included Nicholas de Meyer, Nicola de Meyer, and Nicholas von Meyer. Wow. Like, you are not the Count of Monte Cristo, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Pretentious much? Right. Like, for Pete's sake, let's... Mm-mm. I'm trying to think... That would not be my plan if I was going to heist this wine. No. 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 Not if I was going to First of money. all, I would not sell it to a distributor. Mm-hmm. That seems like a very, very bad decision. I mean, apo- apart from the whole, I'm going to steal yeah. the wine. But if I was going to do that, I definitely yeah. would not sell it. And then I wouldn't use a recognizable name unless it was somebody who could take the fall. Like, pick somebody who's alive who I can frame. Well, right? or, you know, even if the guy is dead... Okay, so th- I'm sure he was thinking victimless crime. I'm Maybe gonna, so. You know, yeah, you're right. the guy from Goldman Sachs is really rich, not really going to miss it that much. The guy who buys it, it's not his fault. The guy who I'm pretending to be, he's already dead. What are they going to do to him? But- I see. See, the profile has empathy in it. He has a compassion. And I think that's where the empathy ends. No. He's, you know... This is not because he then goes and uses basically his own name, fancy sounding, <laughs> to travel the world. Like, if you're going to try and, like, not be found, it's completely new name. Bless his heart. Oh, dummy. He's, he's waiting for um, arraignment in federal court. So did Solomon. Right I don't know. How did he know that the wine was missing? Well, it didn't show up in his... In the um, house in Long Island. Okay, so he definitely looked and checked on this. Because I would have thought, how in the world would he explain that this wine is missing? He totally meant to be obvious and steal it and then thought he could just disappear into the world. Well, well, it must have. And I mean, your personal assistant goes missing. I'm thinking his personal assistant's probably somebody he had contact with on a a pretty regular basis. Maybe not daily, but... A bad plan. I would have replaced every one of those bottles of wine... With like Arbor Mist, <laughs> and then sealed the crate, and then delivered it to the home. Uh-huh. How long would it be? Before and then anybody went to open this, well, mess? and then resigned for you from your there job. There you go, and then left, and then there would be some amount of time in which those crates have could have been switched that would not have been back to. Yeah, you know. Well, thank the Lord for stupid criminals. Thank the Lord, and yeah. nobody out there. No, don't take my ideas. <laughs> No. I am not at fault if you go and do something dumb. Okay? (laughs) All right. So, I have previewed this because I wanted to make sure that there was enough material for us to actually talk about. And I'm glad that I did because the augmented reality portion of this is actually quite short. Okay. But it's very, very neat. So I'm going to hand you my phone okay. with the app open. Got and it. And I think that 
the ringers on. So you point it at the wine bottle. For the sake of my children, I begged for mercy, but the judge showed me none. I was sentenced to seven years, transported for stealing bacon, banished from my home. Whoa. Uh-huh. I think she keeps talking. Someday, sometime, our eyes shall see the faces kept in memory. Someday their hands shall clasp our hand. Just over in the morning land, I've lived through toil and hardship. Punishment for leading a gang of thieves. Years at the labor factory. But I've paid my price. And I've gained grit and a new life. Wow. And then it starts over. But wasn't that cool? It's a good look, right? It's, it's like it's a, it's really creepy. But so tell it us, looks so, so tell real. Us. Yes. So there, there's this picture. Anne, or I'm sorry, Jane Castings um, is on the front of this particular bottle of 19 Crimes. There's a photograph of her. It looks like she's holding um, when you get arrested. Yeah, this is her mugshot. It's actually it's- not. It looks but like a it mug looks, shot. It looks like a mug shot on the on the front of it. Right. It's a cell Vintage. block select. It's got a registration number, her name, um, a photograph of her. And then when you download the little app, which is totally free, you hold it in front of it and her face starts moving and talking to you. So all that vocalization. All the talking, all, all the, the speaking, ta- all the speaking that she did is part of that app. But it looks like she's really saying it, and I think it's extremely well done. It was a, creepy. It was creepy, but, but it's it was, amazing it was because really it amazing. just comes alive, right? Yeah, you know, she's standing here holding this sign like a mugshot mm-hmm. sign, and it's all vintage looking, yes. right? But then her face starts to move, and I actually see expression, yes, in her face, Which like is I like, actually am drawn into her saying, I. That I was I was convicted for transporting bacon, uh-huh. and you can see in her eyes this contempt for how trite her crime was to how serious her punishment was. But you also kind of see this desperation, like there's a reason I was doing this, and they don't care. Yes. Wow. So there's there's quite a lot about her. Let's talk um, about that, her. Yeah, oh, okay. So let's talk about her. So first of all. I'm going to read you a petition. So once she was convicted, so she was in, she lived in England. She was uh, working a job. Evidently, her husband was unwell. They had several small children. She was sentenced to transport, which means they sent her to Australia to live basically in a work camp and spend a certain amount of time in Australia working in the work camp and then living in Australia. And then she would be free to return to England if she so chose. Right. A, a not so uncommon no. sentence at this time, no. you know, with Australia being that right. spot. This that's was like were. the mid 1800s. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of how the Anglo settlers ended up in Australia was that they were sent there because they were criminals. Right. While she was in prison, before she was transported to Australia, she had a petition that she wrote. She was 
fairly unusual that she could both read and write. That's and interesting. So, yeah. So she'd been, you know, like a servant sort of, or like a, I think she worked in like a mill, but also was sort of a servant, like a housemaid. Right, to the thing. actual people, yeah, because otherwise um, she wouldn't have had right. that kind of training. Right. To, she obviously had some sort of responsibility within the household or within the boss the boss's office, right? right? Exactly. Okay. So she wrote a petition to try and get herself out of this predicament in which she found herself. The humble petition of Jane Castings, native of Leicester, who is now under sentence of transportation, convicted on the 2nd of March. I am a married woman for 14 years and have left four little children together with my husband. He is a turner and a wheeler by trade, which I don't know what that job is, but but he is not able to attend his work regular on account of his health being very indifferent. I am a worsted spinner, which I think means she made yarn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been employed by Mr. Carter, manufacturer, Leicester for the last five years. I have always been the greatest support to my children and have always worked very hard in order to gain an honest livelihood for my family. I've always borne a good character in being honest and industrious and have never been charged with any indictment whatsoever previous to the 23rd of February last when I bought some articles not knowing them to have been stolen for which I was taken convicted. My health is very indifferent, which I believe means unwell, poor. It must. It's a weird it is a weird, of, weird word to use. It's a, it's a, a weird terminology. But obviously their but, connotation well, and was maybe, clear at that time. Yeah, I mean, it was maybe very common then. My health is indifferent to me. No, yeah, yeah. But that's, see, again, it's an, English is an intention-driven language. My health itself as its own entity is indifferent to my concerns and wants, therefore it it <laughs> abandons me, right? Yes. That's the kind of the connotation we're getting here, right? Yeah, okay. I think so. Okay. My health is very indifferent and has been since I've been in prison. Prison, make it oh. sick. <laughs> my greatest anxiety of mid is the thoughts of my poor children, which I have left behind, fearing that if I am compelled to leave my country, I fear I shall never be able to return home to my family owing to the difference of my health. Therefore, being that I have never been previously convicted, I do humbly implore for mercy, earnestly, hoping that your lordship together with our sovereign lady will remember mercy and your great kindness show pity towards one of those humble petition is now laid before you. I think it's supposed to say your most humble and obedient servant, but it says your moist humble and obedient oh, servant, well, which is, you know, may has I a hate, completely different connotation. Hate, hate that word. Everybody hates it. It's a terrible, it's, terrible word. It is a terrible word. Jane Castings, age 33. She was not granted clemency. I have compassion for her, but I have a feeling well, you're going to change my mind. I, I may. I may. So I would like to start out by thanking Flissy of Queensland, Australia, because most of the information that I have about Miss Castings is from a blog that she wrote. Let me tell you, she is my homegirl because she was, she's working on a project with the University of Tasmania. <laughs> trying to earn a family history diploma. I'm sorry. 
sorry. You said University of Tasmania. And I don't know why, but that was very funny to me. Because I recognize that that probably existed because... Tasmania well, is a place. Well, this is this is current. Right. She just like did this. Right. Yes. I mean, I, I know it's yeah. a place. Therefore, they probably have a university. Yeah. I, I mean, that all makes sense. And yet, somehow, I still feel like it's something well, out but, of Looney Tunes. Yes, because you think of the Tasmanian <laughs> devil. Yes, we're learning how to spin very, very fast. No, <laughs> it's, it's, that's a very U.S. Yes. centric. It is, but I just the, the my culture informs me differently. Yes. What is the what was it Acme Acres? Yeah. That they went to school and I mean yeah. I think they grew yes. up and went to the University of Tasmania. Tasmania. Okay, I oh, digress. I, have, I haven't thought about that in a long time. <laughs> I'm very okay. Oh, and that just starts a whole oh, new rabbit trail. Oh, doesn't it though? Okay, but we're gonna finish down this one because <laughs> bring me back. Flissy's my home girl because. I just have to read this. Choosing a convict was impossible in my family, as far as I have researched, because she didn't have a lot of convicts in her family, making it an easy choice to work with one of the many in my husband's family. (laughs) I like her already. I I do too. I love him, but his family are a bunch of criminals. (laughs) I love it. Thank you, Flissy. Yes. I, I very much appreciate this. So it's, it really seemed like it was poverty and hard times. And she seems to claim that she was buying goods not knowing that they were stolen. Right. She's just trying to put meat on the table. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's buying the bacon, buying the cheese. You know, I didn't know it was stolen. It wasn't my fault. They right. just gave, they came by with a good price. Uh, no. Ooh. No, no. She was training and paying a group of teenage boys to steal. Was basically making herself a little theft gang. Ooh. Where they would steal things and then sell them to people. And that was how they made their money. That this was a quicker and easier way of making money than making the yarn. And she was the mob. She was kind of the leader of the mob. Yeah. Yeah. And that they believe that about six young men, teenager type people were sent beyond the seas also to Australia because she had employed them to steal for her. So yeah, she's kind of a mob leader. Maybe not so good. Maybe not so good. Maybe not so good. Oh, and... From a private collection, which is, I'm assuming, where 19 Crimes must have obtained this photo, here is the actual photo of her with a daughter that is born to her later, which we'll touch on in a minute. Okay. Um, is that is that daughter dead in that picture? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Because that was a thing. Yes. That was a thing because most yes. people couldn't afford the price of a photograph, so you only... You only did it when somebody died. Because then yeah. you knew it was important, yeah. I guess. Yes. It wasn't important when they were alive, I guess, but yeah. uh, that's lost on me. Yeah. Nevertheless, this chick looks a little... Ooh, so I Yeah, ask. well, I think it's just... It's a matter of how the photographs were taken in this time. So this in this been, case, it's yeah, just a so decay. So she was 33... Depends on what you look at. Some of the court records list her as 29. She herself says she was 33 at the time that she was transported to Australia. So okay. this, I was looking at this when I 
read that and I'm like, man, she looks awful for 33 Ooh. on this, on the wine bottle label. But she also looks like a dead photograph. It's, yes. You know? And I think that was just a matter of we're not going to smile because we can't keep it up and then our face gets fuzzy. Oh, right. Exactly. But yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> it took so long for the shutter to, yes, you know, to burn the image or whatever. But um, it turns out that the picture on the bottle of 19 Crimes is actually a picture in which she's sitting next to her one of her younger children one that was born in australia okay so she had to be in at least in her mid-40s by okay. the time that photo was taken so oh that makes sense that ma- right that, and then I they've taken like, this and they've doctored it of course to yes, make her look like and, she's in a mugshot right but, yes but that's, it's fine okay so what's up with the daughter no i'll get to that <laughs> Jane would have been about 19 when she got married in England to a man named Henry Castings. They had four children, fairly close together. Very, They were, they were small and pretty close together. Maybe three, four years, two to, two to four years apart. Oh, okay. So not like that much different from here. But she was found not guilty of being an accomplice in stealing three pounds of cheese with two of the young men from her gang. But she was found guilty not of stealing, but of knowingly buying goods that had been stolen in the case of four pounds of bacon. So it does seem like not not a particularly heinous crime, but that she was kind of running the gang is, I think, what... It's a, it's a tax issue, you know. We got yes. the greatest, you know, mobster of all time on tax evasion, right? Yeah. It's one of those kind of situations. I, th- I think so. I think that's what it was, because the boys were convicted to or sentenced to whippings and hard labor and she had to get on a boat and risk her life on a boat for months on end scary conditions yeah, for that really very scary conditions evidently she was she did quite well on the trip which is unusual like everybody else on the boat had visits to the doctor and uh-huh. she did not so either she was not going to the doctor for her ailments or she did amazingly well was perhaps not as infirm as she tried to convince the judge she might have based on prison which you know kind of leads to the whole she's the mob leader basically she's intelligent Mm -hmm. yes and uh, when she's being convicted um, the uh, Leicestershire Mercury newspaper reported the following on March the 7th, 1846. Uh, you keep these boys at your house and taught them to steal that you might live on the guilty fruits of their thefts. Prisoner, who's Jane. Oh, have mercy on me for the sake of my children. You are not fit to bring up your children. It is for the sake of your children and that of other people's children that I am about to pass sentence on you, that you be transported for seven years. The prisoner here fell down on the dock and was carried out of the court screaming. We have since been told that the same woman, Castings, has been the meaning of getting at least half a dozen dozen youths transported by encouraging them in acts of robbery. Wow! Yeah! So, Chica, that's serious. Yes. Yes. And so she gets sent to Australia 
She goes to a work camp, which has a hilarious and awful name. Oh. It's called the Cascade Female Factory (laughs) in Tasmania. In Tasmania. In Tasmania. Wait, wait, say it again. Say it again. (laughs) The Cascade Female Factory in Tasmania. Cascade of females. uh, From the factory. Yeah, like it sounds like they're creating females. It does. But it is a place for females to work. Of course, apparently your picture, she came out of there with one. (laughs) We're going to get to that. (laughs) She was in this, the Cascade Female Factory, <laughs> for approximately seven years. I'll let Jackie compose herself a moment. The Cascade Female Factory. I know, it sounds like, sounds like a very modern day, like, I'm gonna, we're gonna make some robots, I mean, and they can do a lot of different things. Maybe they're gonna clean your house, maybe they're gonna have another female. <laughs> Maybe they're going to build other female robots. Maybe, Maybe they have a more nefarious purpose. I mean, it just you know? sounds like something straight out of Brave New World. Oh, you know? doesn't it, though? It that's, just, uh, that's an excellent point. <laughs> okay, I think yeah. I'm composed. Okay. Okay, that's fine. She spent seven years there doing work. And about five years into her sentence, she had a baby that she named Maria. And I'm like, where did this baby come from? Where did the man come from in the female mm-hmm. factory? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. They weren't manufacturing men there, so I don't know. <laughs> she delivered an illegitimate child. There was no father listed on the records, and we'll probably never know who Maria's daddy was. Now, I probably could guess that this guy is the leader of this factory. He's the well, you would guard, think. the whatever. Or, yeah, and he's, he's, he's probably got tons of children. Illegitimate children. Based yes, on I mean, in oppression the, of these women. You know, 1840s, 1850s, there's probably little to no recourse for raping any of the women in the female right. factory. And, and these women would have had to acquiesce out of... Out of survival. Yes, self preservation. And that breaks my heart because. And I mean, I hope that's not the case. I hope that, you know, she was in a consensual relationship. I would hope. She just didn't want to, you know, blow up his marriage or whatever. I would hope. But there's there's really no way of knowing. No way of knowing. Unfortunately. Here's an interesting thing she never did go back to England. Oh. Yeah, she did not return. She remarried. Evidently, being separated from your husband for seven years was it was normal sort of thing to have that length of a sentence and then just say, oh, that marriage in England is the English marriage and I'm going to do the marriage in Australia now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So she remarried. She um, had two more children with her new husband. Oh, she's having children into her... She had seven kids, in or at least 40s. seven. There's, there's also a possibility that she may have had a baby after Maria was born, after she was released from the work camp that did not survive. There, there's a lot of question. There's not a lot of documentation surviving from that age. There was, there was not a baptismal record. For her, which was a lot of how you kept the records, yeah, how the records yeah. were kept. So that wasn't there. But she married a shoemaker who was also an ex-convict who may have also had interesting, you know, another family back in England. But 
And I guess maybe as far as the English crown was concerned, at seven years, the marriage would just dissolve at the... I would at probably the will of the remaining spouse, maybe. Man, I bet not even. I bet it wasn't even that, like, he had no say in it. She was gone. Yeah, what are they She'd been do? gone for seven years. If she's choosing not to come back, then, you know, he probably also... I was about to say, I wonder if he remarried. Yeah, which our, our writer here, Flissy... Flissy. Flissy. Flissy said she, she may try and do additional research to find out what happened to the English castings. You know, I wonder only. if Flissy could take a page out of Philippa Gregory's book. <gasps> oh. You know? See what I did there with the pun? Yeah. It was really corny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm thinking, you know, I love these these historical fictions mm-hmm. um, where we yeah. kind of bring it to life. She's and, done all the work. Uh, Flissy's Just done the work. Us- Flissy, book time. Flissy. This story. I would read your book. I would read your book. I would read your book. So Jane never got into trouble again after she was released from the work camp. She kept her nose clean. So far as anyone knows, I don't know how hard those habits die or if she really like took it as I have a new life. I'm going to not do that. Or if she just got better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they do say that prison is crime university you maybe you come maybe. out better at crime than yeah. you went in Which unfortunately is unfortunate. yes um she lived until april 23rd 1895 and was well loved by her husband evidently he he put maria jane instead of jane on her tombstone and no one knows quite why Interesting. I don't know if maybe she adopted an additional name to go along with her new life, but he listed her as 74 years of age and she was actually 82. So oh. I'm wondering. Well done, Jane. <laughs> well done. Perhaps she had a little, um, she didn't, she wasn't exactly honest with him about her age. Maybe not. She wanted to be, which. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that, you know, any woman wants to be younger, you know, um, when they're meeting a new man. It's this weird yeah. thing we have about yeah, that. Well, and or just to not, to, you, to, you don't want to look know, older. Well, you don't want to look. get to know me before you poo-poo no. on my age. Right, exactly. And and I understand because, you know, the, the whole thing about wanting to bear children, that was your, well, your livelihood. Yeah. So if you had a woman who may or may not be close to end of childbearing years, yeah. that would have been why. Not so much for just vanity, although right. that would be why I would like to be looked at as younger. Right. Um, but <laughs> she probably saw that yeah. well, as a woman, she needed a man then. It was much more prevalent that well, she would yes. have needed Somebody, I mean, she was a mob well, boss. She still had to be married. She was a mob boss. She had an illegitimate child in prison. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like... So she she needed some, uh, you know, what they said back then to make an honest woman of her. Mm-hmm. Ugh, just yeah. to say that. I just want to... Yeah. But, but that's the, that was the times, right? right? And so this, this, this childbearing year is coming to an end would have made her not a good catch. So right. I could understand why yeah. she would... Think, well, you know what? I can still bear children, but he's going to be afraid that my time's running out. So let's lie. I could see that. Yeah, I can see that too. Plissy, when you write the book, Uh this is the fictional story that we need to talk about, okay? Is that we need to talk about why did she lie? What happened with her Mm -hmm. age? And what happened after? Did she, was she really well behaved? Right. These are, these are questions. mm -hmm. I'm thinking it's very interesting. Mm. All right. 
So we took a little break because uh, before we started talking about Jane Casting's history and story a little bit more, we meant to open the bottle of wine we because did. it was easier to do the augmented reality with the wine bottle either empty or completely closed because they didn't want to spill the wine all over right. or potentially spill the wine all over. We forgot. We just got busy talking about stuff. Yeah. So we stopped and we had our opened our wine and we ate had lunch, some lunch which was ch- delicious cheese and pickle sandwiches oh uh, jackie jackie introduced me to this and i have to say shockingly delightful it sounds gross but it's absolutely not oh. cheddar cheese and some bread and buckle bread and butter pickles uh-huh. it's not the wine it's just me yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> But bread and butter pickles and the cheddar cheese on the bread. And we had a special treat because you went out and bought the bread and butter pickles with the horseradish. Oh, which was really good. That Those was are going to be something that yeah. enter into my house, I think, on a regular basis now because... Uh, delicious nobody so will probably eat yummy. them but they're not super spicy they're not no. like hot as in burn your tongue no, no. but they just have so much of a flavor a depth of flavor mm-hmm. you know i'm yep. probably better at describing the notes of the pickle yes than, than I am the, the notes, notes of, of the wine <laughs> but it's really it's the wine is interesting we'll talk about it for just a moment as we said we are not connoisseurs who have the language to speak about wine so intelligently and effectively as some of our fellow podcasts who do such a great job talking about the wine but yeah it's a, it's definitely it's kind of a sweeter chardonnay it is it's not as dry it's actually what we call thicker i don't yeah, know what that it means it kind of feels like it coats the tongue a little bit yeah like it's just it's not as harsh it's not as fresh and clean but <laughs> you not, said fresh and clean and i said harsh well <laughs> and maybe well yeah but it's just perspectives you know yes because chardonnay to me is a little eh oh really okay. yeah in general okay. I, I like some uh-huh. i like this one yeah this one's but because good. I, that refreshing and that cleanliness is just um a little um, harsh a little, to me. yeah and i can see that mm-hmm and this is a, it's a little sweeter and a little uh, gentler on the palate. This wine goes very, very well in a Yeti by the pool or yes. beach. <laughs> Cheers this to that. This is it. <laughs> that I'm thinking you and me, we're going to throw the kids in the pool and we're going to do some day drinking uh, with this wine because delicious. It does make it's me curious to see their other wines yeah because not just because i want to watch the augmented reality which is so creepily cool it was awesome and awesome but the wine itself is so delightful now we're in texas it's super hot we're always looking for something that's a little bit more relaxing and fun so mm-hmm. i think a wine like this really does yeah. speak to us that way because yeah. we're always trying good. to chill yeah yeah i would buy again definitely yes definitely definitely all right, so normally we don't, we might hint to you what we're going to do the next time or suggest that we might do something. This week, we are actually going to tell you what we're going to do 
for the next episode. And we want to do that because if you would like to join us in consuming this piece of entertainment, then we would invite you to do that. We're going to watch The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm excited too. So I've read the book, but you have not. I have not read the book. And um, I very much enjoyed the book. It was very good. It's kind of heartbreaking, but oh, just achingly beautiful in its desire for justice. I for can't this wait. Family. So if you don't know, if you have not heard about Henrietta Lacks, the book came out, it, the book's by Rebecca, Rebecca Skloot, S-K-L-O-O-T. And it came out in 2010. And it talks about a woman who had cervical cancer and her cells grew very rapidly. She unfortunately passed away. This You find this out very early on in the book. It's not a spoiler. And her cells grow in a laboratory in a way that other cells never had before and few have done since. So this is about the story of uh, autonomy. Yes. Because we're talking about somebody's cells that were yes. then used in such so, ways without without the permission. Family. Yes. Without the without family's permission. Permission without knowledge. Mm-hmm. There was really she was a black woman in the fifties, I believe. And yeah, nineteen fifty one. Yeah. I mean, you know She had no voice. She at had that time. she really had no voice at all. It's very interesting. But so much good has come out of the use of these cells. And see that's it's the and that's, that's the rub. The, and that's the rub and you know, we'll get more into the is it criminal, is it not criminal? I believe there was some court information that um, has made some decisions about similar cases. Um, I'll see if I can find a little bit of that for us. Oh, but, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. So The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks is on HBO. So if you have HBO, it should be on HBO Go or HBO Now. Or uh, if you don't and want to watch it, ask a friend. I'm sure you know somebody, the person who invites you over for the Game of Thrones party. <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> that's, that's the one. Say, you don't have to be there. I just want to watch this movie. Um, and we'll also endeavor to speak in a way that if you haven't seen the movie, it'll still be understandable to you. So, right. Yeah. Um, if you're going to Listen or watch the movie and listen. Do let us know. Find us on Facebook, Killer Fun Podcast, on the tweets at Killer Fun Pod. You can email us, killerfunpodcast at gmail.com. We ask that you tell a friend. We would love it if you would go into your uh, podcast app and rate iTunes and rate us on iTunes, rate us, review us. Tell a friend. And we know we know that you're doing us a favor when you go and you rate us. Um, but that but also helps keep us going. We're not at a point where this is monetized yet. So, right. you know, we may never get there, but we certainly can't get there unless you're listening. So we appreciate you, our listeners. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. Keep us going. Yep. I'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Bum, 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 bum